Okay, good morning. Please rise and open your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. Yark will bring you one. We are in the book of Matthew, chapter 26. The book of Matthew, chapter 26, verse 1. Matthew 26, verse 1. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. When Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much. And given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you, God, for this wonderful picture of this woman, Lord God, who, who, who's really, Lord, she, she's, she's behaving in, in a way, Lord God, where Every one of us in this room were created to behave like, just loving you, serving you, ministering to you, doing an extraordinary act of love towards you. And Lord, we come here this morning uh, wanting to change, wanting to leave here more like this woman. And, and we ask that you would change us, Lord. Change our hearts, Lord. We know that it's from the heart that our words speak. It's from the heart that our actions speak as well, Lord. We pray that you change our heart. We pray that you would do that this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, please be seated. Now, it has been said that if ever it was fitting to take your shoes off because the part of the Bible you're reading is holy, it's these next three chapters. It's from this point on to the end of Matthew that all of heaven is watching as Jesus uh, makes his way to the cross uh, to do what only the Son of God could ever do. It says here in uh, verse 2 of chapter 26, Jesus is saying, You know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. 
The Passover was a Jewish feast to commemorate the time when the Jews were rescued from Egypt. And Moses had gone to the the Pharaoh of Egypt to uh, ask him uh, to let the people go, and and Pharaoh uh, said no. They were serving as slaves there, and uh, God had had told Moses to, to go and ask Pharaoh this question. He said no. No wonder it was uh, the Jewish people were his uh, basically ninety percent of his workforce or something like that and and uh, but uh, as always, whenever anyone who's a believer unbeliever uh, says no to God, God in the end always wins and God brought about ten calamities, ten disasters on Pharaoh to convince him that he needed to say yes. First, uh, the Lord changed all the water of Egypt into blood. And uh, as a result, the Egyptians couldn't drink water, and uh, the fish died, and the Bible says a terrible stench rose throughout the land. But that didn't convince Pharaoh to let them go. So second, the Lord sent a plague of frogs. The Bible says there were so many frogs, they got into the kitchens, they got in the ovens, they got into the kneading bowls where they were kneading their bread, and uh, as they were preparing their meals, next there was a, a plague of lice, next flies, uh, next uh, the livestock were killed, the horses, the Bible says, the donkeys, the camels, uh, the sheep, uh, they were, th- th- there was a pestilence among them, and they died off Pharaoh kept on saying no. Next was boils, sores on both men and beasts throughout the land. Next there was hail. It says the hail was mingled with fire and and all that was in the field, both man and beast and and plant uh, and tree. It describes trees uh, also being destroyed. And next there were locusts. Uh, The Bible says that the locusts uh, covered the face of the land so that the land was darkened. Pharaoh still said no, and, and then brought, God brought darkness. And real interesting passage there in Exodus, it says it was so dark you could feel it. You could feel the darkness. You ever been in like a cave or some place without any light so ever that all of a sudden you, you start feeling? It's like, oh, you know, it, it, it's just so overwhelming. And so after each of these terrible disasters, Moses went to Pharaoh. Sometimes Pharaoh went to Moses. The long and short is that Pharaoh still refused to let the people go until the last disaster that the Lord brought upon the people of Egypt. The last disaster or plague was the death of the firstborn. One evening... An angel called the Angel of Death went throughout all the land and killed the firstborn of every human being and every beast. And it says there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no house where there was not one dead, except for the houses of the Jews. The angel of death had passed over the houses of the Jews. The Jews had been told that if they sacrifice a lamb and they put the the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, that the angel of death that night would pass over their house. And so it was. They were uh, passed over. Listen, not because they were more righteous than any other household in Egypt, not because they were more religious, not because they had been more obedient, Uh, to the commandments of God. 
The angel of death didn't go from house to house saying, hmm, you know, how many, how many good deeds did this house do? Or, or, you know, have they been naughty or nice or whatever? No, he just looked for one thing that was the blood uh, of the lamb over the door. And so the Jews as a people were rescued as they, which was to be a pattern throughout the rest of history up into the present day. And, and every year since that night, the, the night that they were spared uh, uh, because of the blood of the Lamb, the Jewish people have remembered the Passover as a feast. And, and the Passover was given to the Jewish people as a picture of the time that the Messiah, the Son of God, would become their Passover Lamb would become the Passover land, that he would spill his blood for anyone uh, and, and that anyone willing to put that blood of the lamb over their, the doorpost of their life would pass from death to life. So you can imagine the anticipation in heaven as, as these last uh, three chapters, a uh, couple days of Jesus' life, the, the, the anticipation of, of, of heaven, just sort of world events which had been planned since the foundation of the world uh, coming to fruition. And, it, and Jesus says uh, the time, the two days is the Passover. And this would be the real Passover. Uh, the real Passover where, where the Lamb of God is, is slain and, and the blood of the Lamb of God is, is offered uh, for the sins and, and, uh, of the world. And so the, one of the first stops that Jesus makes on his way to the cross is, is the house of Simon the leper. The house of Simon the leper. It says in verse 6, it says, Jesus, when he was in Bethany, he was at the house of Simon the leper. And that's where... Uh, uh, the actually this event takes place where there's this woman. And we know from the book of John, it's Mary. It's Mary Lazarus' uh, sister. Uh, they're in a the house, and they're having dinner here. And it's the house, is, it's, uh, the house of Simon the leper. Now, uh, Simon the leper almost certainly was not a leper at this time. Uh, he was a man who had been miraculously healed by Jesus of his leprosy. Uh, some people think it's the same leper in Matthew 8 uh, where Jesus is coming down uh, off the Sermon of the Mountain. First thing he does, what does he do? He heals a leper. We don't know that for sure, but one thing we do know for sure uh, is that there would not have been a public gathering in a house of a leper because to do so would have violated the Mosaic law and everyone would have been considered unclean. And, and we know that Jesus upheld the law. He said that he did. Uh, of the 61 defilements of ancient Judaism, leprosy was second only to uh, death and, so, and severity. And so uh, Simon uh, the leper was no longer a leper because if he was, everyone in the room would have been violating the law just by being there. And there was a crowd of people there. And uh, I want to say just a few things about leprosy because I think it's so important uh, to understand uh, what Simon the leper had been saved from. Lepers uh, were required uh, by the law of Moses to be isolated from society from their family, from their friends, from all society. They were required by law to walk around, and as they approached a village or people, they were uh, required to cry out, 
unclean, unclean, loud as they could to give people a chance uh, to leave, leprosy uh, being contagious. And people were so scared of them, they would throw rocks at them. They would throw rocks at them. And they were considered to be under the uh, curse of God. Now, the sight of a leper in the advanced stage uh, was horrifying to the extreme because uh, leprosy... the the, the flesh would just falls off over time. And I I think it's very safe to say if a leper in his advanced stages or her advanced stages ever walked into this room and stood where I was, uh, there would be many of us forced to cover our eyes. There would be weeping in this room. People would leave. I mean, it was that bad. It was that bad. Can you imagine being saved from that? Saved from that disgrace. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be Simon, the ex-leper? The love, the obedience, the worship that must have been pouring out of his heart every minute, every day towards Jesus. So you may ask, well, why is he still called Simon the leper if he had been healed of leprosy? Why would he keep that name? Well, I believe uh, it is because Simon wanted it that way. Simon, because of uh, his name, uh, would be a testimony uh, to Jesus Christ the rest of his life. I mean, can you imagine the opportunity uh, to glorify Jesus Christ with your life every time someone uh, uh, met you? Hi, my name is Mordecai. What's your name? Shaking his hand. Simon the leper. (laughs) A leper? You know, what's up with that? If you're a leper, what are you doing here? He goes, ah, relax, relax. Let me tell you. Let me tell you why I'm here. Let me tell you how how I can shake your hand, how I've been cleansed. Uh, And so he kept that word, I believe, leper affixed to his name in spite of the disgrace associated with the word. And it gave him an opportunity to pour out of his heart and lips, the power of God, the gratitude and the love. Don't you want to love God like that? Don't you want to just pour out love from your life like that? If you do, listen up, because this whole story we read about in Matthew 26, verse 6 through 13, is that's what it's about. It's about love. It's about people who could not hold back their love for the Lord. We know from the book of John, chapter 12 again, that what was going on here was a feast and that there was a table with some people uh, sitting around it. And it says that, uh, you know, Simon was there. And it also says that Lazarus was seated at the table. Lazarus was the one who just a few days earlier had been uh, raised from the dead. He had fallen desperately sick for days. He, he lay dying. He felt as the life drained out of uh, his uh, body. And, and then he died. And four days later, Jesus brought him back to life. So who else was uh, at the table? Well, uh, Matthew 26, verse 7, describes this woman. It says, A woman came to him having an alabaster flask a very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Uh, And again, we know from John 12, 3, that this woman was Mary, Lazarus' sister. It says that um, 
in, in, in John chapter 12, it says that also she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And then it says in John, it says, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. And that, and that the oil was worth 300 denarii. One denarii was one day's wage. 300 was 300 days' wages. It's quite a sacrifice uh, for her. And cleaning the, guest of, uh, 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 the feet of the guests was something that was common in the East. And it was the job of the lowest servant of the house, the, sl- the, the, the most junior slave, if you will. Uh, here, here Mary is doing that, and not only is she doing that, she's doing it with her hair. Uh, so what is normally done by a slave with a towel, uh, which you know, may be thrown out after it's done, this is done with her hair. You know, 1 Corinthians 11.5 says, uh, the Apostle Paul says that a woman's long hair is her glory. A woman's long hair is her glory. It doesn't mean that, you know, after you're 40, you can't cut some of it off. But uh, it, it does say that, that a woman's long hair is her glory. And so here Mary is taking her glory, her crown, and she's giving it up. And, and you know, she is giving up. If there's anything a, a woman can claim as her own and that no one can tamper with, I mean, it's her hair. But she's taken that, and, and, and she's just blessing Jesus with it. She's blessing Jesus with it. I mean, she does it with a towel, even if it's a clean towel. At some point, the towel's been used. She wants to use her hair. Her hair, her long hair, her, her glory, her crown. And, and, you know, there's another story just like this in Luke 7. Please turn there with me. Uh, that's just a couple books to the right. Luke 7. Luke 7.36. I'm going to read through this because it's, it's, it's a different event, but it's a very similar story. Luke 7, verse 36, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet with tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There, were t- there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, who one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins 
which are many, are forgiven, for she loves much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those at the table with, uh, with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now this is not the same story as is Matthew 26. It, this one here in Luke 7 takes place in northern Israel. This, uh, the one in Matthew 26 uh, takes place in Jerusalem, which is in uh, central Israel. Uh, but it might as well be the same story in a way because the, the, the women in both the stories are anointing Jesus' feet for the same reason, I believe. And they're anointing His feet for two reasons. One, they understand the depth of their sin. And two, they understand that Jesus has forgiven it. The woman here in Luke 7, as well as I believe Mary in chapter 26 of Matthew, understood something about herself. That, you know, something with all my heart, I want every person in this room to understand. I want every one of you to understand about yourself. She understood how how much she had been forgiven. She knew she had spent a life living after the devil. And and she knew she had been forgiven. The result, what was it? It was a passionate love for God. You know, there's, there's a couple things I think I know about all of you. Even though some of you I just met this morning. I think that I know that you want that you love God. If 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 you didn't, you probably wouldn't be here. But I also think I know something else. I think you want to love God much, much more. I, I think you want to love God like the woman in this chapter, Luke seven. And the good news is this is there is a way to that place. And the way to that place that the Bible teaches is to to open the Word of God and consider the the, the men and women who the Holy Spirit decided to to describe their lives and, and place a description there in the Bible and then ask the Lord to do His work in your heart. And so I want to do this by looking at the lives of the people around the table in Bethany just a couple, few days before Jesus' death. And again, the first was Mary. And, and I think the experience of Mary is really similar to the experience of, of, of the woman in, in, in Luke 7. Why did she love Jesus here with such passion? Now, it's true that Jesus had uh, uh, healed her brother, but Mary had sat at the foot of Jesus prior to her brother ever being healed. We know that from John uh, chapter 10 uh, and and 11. Mary was anointed Jesus... Anointed Jesus' feet with oil, and and in doing so, uh, willing to spoil her crown, willing to spoil her glory or her her hair, because like the prostitute in in Luke chapter seven, she understood how terrible her sin was, and how much she had been forgiven. Listen, brothers and sisters, if you think 
that only prostitutes, rapists, murders, and, and thieves um, um, are, the, who've had terrible sin, are the ones who've had terrible sin in their lives, you are grossly mistaken. You are hopelessly deceived. Mary, is the perf- Mary and Bethany is the perfect example. She wasn't a prostitute, but she understood. She understood what the Bible teaches. That the heart is, Jeremiah 17, 9, is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. It's also translated beyond cure. You could take the heart of the most righteous person on the face of this earth, and it's a black hole, a black hole of evil in the sight of God. Now, the average psychiatrist in this country uh, would tell you and get very upset at me saying things like this. Here's another preacher making people uh, feel awful about themselves. But they say things like that because their, their view of God, if they believe in God at all, is, is very, very shallow. God is holy. He's white, hot, holy. Now, that's not a theological term, but I happen to like it. White, hot, holy. And, and he loves us so much, so much that it, the Bible says with, the, it, it, with joy in his heart he went to the cross to die for you. But it's pure foolishness to think that any man or woman is righteous before him. No, the Bible says that the heart of man is deceitful, deceitful beyond all things, beyond, beyond cure, desperately wicked. Now, if you want to love God more than you do, if you want to love God with the passion of, of Mary and pour out her, uh, your heart to Jesus as she did, as she threw her crown at his feet and ask God to reveal the sin in your heart, the, the, the evil that is there, guess what? He'll do that, and when he does, he will be faithful also to reveal his ocean of mercy the grace, the forgiveness that's available to even the darkest heart on the face of the earth. Jesus said to Mary in John 11, uh, 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. In other words, you put your trust in me and all your sin is wiped away, washed away. So that was Mary. Who, was, who else was at the table? Again, Simon the leper. If you want to love God more, consider the life of this man. There's no doubt in my mind that he loved Jesus in the most powerful way. Why? He knew what he had been healed of. Uh, if it is true that uh, Simon was the leper healed, uh, it referred to in Matthew 8, it says in the parallel account in Luke of that leper being uh, uh, healed that he was covered with leprosy, meaning he was at the advanced stages, meaning he knew that what it was like to live in a body that was literally falling off of him. And he knew what it was like to be made completely clean. Now you say, well, how can that possibly Apply to me. How can I learn to love like that guy? Well, throughout the Bible, leprosy represents sin. In Psalm 51, you see David making reference, reference to him, himself being a, a, a leper. Uh, when he realized the depth of his sin that he had committed with Bathsheba, he had stolen another man's wife, killed her husband to cover it up.
It says in Psalm 51, he, 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 he was prostrate before the Lord and he cried out for forgiveness, declaring, cleanse me with hyssop and you will make me white as snow. Hyssop is a plant that was used to make an oil that by the law in Leviticus, we read, we read as we went through Leviticus on Sunday night, priests were required to use it to purify a ceremonial purification of lepers. It was also used to, uh, uh, in a ceremony cleansing of their house. And so, and, and so in David in Psalm 51, he is equating his terrible sin to leprosy. Oh, that we would all understand the same thing. Now, one of the reasons that le- leprosy has such a devastating effect on people we be, is, is because if you contract it, you don't realize uh, that you have it until your body is really, literally falling off of you. Why? Because leprosy, it kills the nerves in your body. It kills the nerves. And, 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 and so, literally, one day, a, a finger can fall off of you, and, and you're like, what on earth is going on? It turns out that, that, that leprosy has been killing your body. And, 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 and brothers and sisters, that's how sin is. You know, we go off into some area of sin, whether it's, it, it's a, 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 fulfilling the lust of pride or fulfilling the lust of the flesh, whatever. And, and man, we go through a season, everything seems happy, everything seems wonderful, things seem to be going fine. All of a sudden, a, a, a finger falls off or an ear or a leg or whatever. And so throughout the Bible, uh, you do see uh, that leprosy, it represents sin. It represents sin. And, and Simon the leper uh, knew all about the, the destruction that comes, the devastating effects of sin. And, and the Bible says that you and I, because of the sin of, in our lives, whether we know it or not, have had the same devastating effects. Listen to me. Uh, whether you have been a prostitute or a murderer or some normal guy or gal, Sin has had a devastating effect on your life. Let me illustrate this with you. Tell me, tell me, who would you rather be? Who, who had a more devastating effect of, uh, of sin on their life? In, 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 in that parable we read, in, it wasn't a parable, it was a real story in Luke chapter 7. Was it the prostitute? Or was it Simon the Pharisee, whose heart was so cold? It was so despising of people. It was so shriveled up. It was uh, so utterly repulsive. Yeah, I, I won't tell you what my choice would be. I'll leave that between my heart and God, but let me tell you, I think you get the point of the, the devastating effect that sin could have. Hers may have been uh, fulfilling, you know, chasing after the life of the devil and following that life. His was, his was pride. And pride has the same kind of devastating effect on your life, not only your life, but all the people around you. It can cause and wreak just as much havoc uh, as, as fulfilling the, the, the lust of the flesh. So uh, whether it's living for the devil as the prostitute did or living for self like Simon did, uh, sin will have its way. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, it, it, it has its devastating effect on you and it has on me. And pray to God about that. If you don't understand that, many of you do understand it very well. If you don't, uh, just pray, Lord God, show me the effect that sin has had on my life. Show me, reveal to me the sin and the effect it's had on me, on the people around me, Lord. 
Don't waste any time. Run home to your prayer closet. Get on your knees. Cry out to God that he would do that in your life. And, and that is a work that God will be faithful to do. Believe you me. And, and, uh, and, and he not only will he reveal what the sin is, but the devastating work it's had in your life. And here's the good news offered through Jesus Christ that the Bible says, and it says that God will restore what the locusts have eaten away. That's from the book of Joel. Uh, in the Old Testament, and God is telling Israel, I'll restore to you what the locusts have taken away. And the locusts weren't literal locusts. Uh, at least they don't, it, it uh, doesn't have to be interpreted that way. It's interpreted as the, the, the sin, the rebellion of Israel, the disobedience to the word of God, running after other gods, and the devastating effect. 99% of their blessing was just ripped away from them. But God says, I will restore to you what I have taken away, what the locusts have taken away. And so um, God will do the same for you. Not only will he reveal what sin has done in your life, he will restore what the locusts have taken away. And the result will be, will be, God can do this work in your life. It will be that your, your, your love and your passion for God will just grow and grow as he's revealing these things. And, and so, who else was at the table? Lazarus. If you want to uh, love God more than you do, consider the life of Lazarus. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that by the time Lazarus is sitting uh, at the table in Bethany, uh, he loves God in a way that all of us long to. Lazarus knew what it was like to be brought back from the dead. Now, you may ask... Um, how can I love uh, Jesus like Lazarus uh, loved him? I've never been brought back from the dead. Well, you probably know where I'm going to go with that, right? The Bible says that when you open your heart to Jesus Christ and give your life to him, you are being brought by God back from the dead. John five twenty four. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in uh, him who sent me as everlasting life and, and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. John twelve twenty four. Jesus says, referring to a person who has opened their heart to Jesus and given their life to him, says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat uh, falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Romans uh, chapter 7, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says this, Sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and it killed me. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says, Prior to Christ, we were dead in our sin. And Jesus says in John 3, 3, Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He was telling a man, who, uh, uh, Nicodemus, who was dead in his sin. Uh, from God's perspective, we're dead apart from being made alive by God. And, and Lazarus, Lazarus knew about being dead and brought back to life. He knew about that. A Christian who loves God with tremendous passion knows that he or she was dead, but God has made them alive. Do you want to love God more? Pray that he would give you Lazarus' perspective. Pray that he would reveal to you how dead you really were before God breathed life and into your life. He's faithful to do that. So that is who was at the table at Bethany. Simon the leper, Mary, 
Lazarus. And this is a love feast if there ever was one. And let's see what happens with all of this. Back in uh, Matthew 26, it says in verse 8, now remember, it says that a woman, meaning Mary, had just uh, broken an alabaster flask and poured out the oil. It says in verse 8, but when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. In the book of Mark, it says that the disciples murmured among themselves. It's a great Greek word there for murmured in Mark. It's this word, brimiomai. It's, it's one of those words in Greek that the word means what it sounds like. Have you ever, I've mentioned a couple of these words before, like the word barbarian in Greek is the word baba which just meant, you know, when they saw someone who wasn't Greek and they were speaking some strange language, it sounded to them like ba 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 ba. So they just named them Baba. Here, there goes a Baba. You know that type of thing. And and the word here, brimiomai, uh, uh, it's it's it sounds like a snort. Now I'm not going to snort for you. I mean, I, I guess I haven't gotten to the place where I'm humble enough to snort in front of you. But but it was like, you know. And this is what we do, you know, when, when, when someone's doing someone, something great for God and in our heart, you know, envy and jealousy. <laughs> you know, it's not saying anything. It's just revealing what's in your heart. That's what's going on. And, and, and you know, that's what happens. And I, and, and I love that because, you know, uh, next time you're going, <laughs> you know, be convicted, you know. Uh, and, 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 and the Bible, Jesus says that beware when all men speak well of you. And let me tell you. Even in, if in the church, if everyone is speaking well of you, something's wrong. Because you, as you see here, the disciples are the ones that are criticizing this extraordinary act of love for God, which is among the best pictures, again, as we said in the opening prayer, it's one of the best pictures in the entire Bible about what of our relationship with Jesus is supposed to be like. Now, um, I think it's really interesting that uh, you, well, what Jesus uh, says to them here, he says in verse 10, he says, when, he, uh, when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Only, only time it says something like God putting his, his imprint or his approval on a memorial for another person. It's this wonderful act of worship. And so uh, remember what uh, Jesus said to Simon, uh, the, that heartless, cold, dried-up Pharisee in Luke 7. You know, we can look at this thing where this woman is, is t- using her long hair and getting it all gunky, probably took her like 17 baths to, to get it all out of her hair. We can think, well, that's really weird. But Jesus loved it. Remember what he said to Simon in Luke 7, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And he's saying, Simon, that blessed me. 
He said to Simon, you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. It blessed him. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. He was blessed by this weird, strange thing, or at least that's our perspective. He was blessed by it. Jesus loved being blessed by this woman. He loved being blessed by by her. He loves being blessed by us. Now, it's no secret that, you know, sometimes chapter breaks are a very unfortunate thing because there was no such thing as chapter breaks when the Bible was written. But what came right before this? The story of the sheep and the goats where the sheep had gotten before him and Jesus said, you know, blessed are you, know, blessed are you because, you know, when, uh, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was a prisoner, you come and you came and you uh, visited me. And they were like, wait, we never did any of those things. And what did he say? Uh, Even whatever you did to the least of these, you did for me. You know, Jesus may not be here for us to take the crown of our take our glory, our long hair or whatever, and and, and anoint his feet with oil, but we can bless him. We can bless him by blessing any human being. Men and women are made in the image of God, and when we bless them, we bless God. We can bless him. Oh, forbid it that we would ever have the cold heart of a Pharisee and refuse to get dirty and bless people with our lives. You know, as I, I just want to uh, conclude with this, and, you know, as you read through uh, these verses in Matthew 26, and, and you study the life of uh, the very little we know about it, of Simon the leper, and, and the love he must have had towards the Lord, and, and Mary, we know a lot more about her, and Lazarus, we know quite a, a lot about him, and... They loved him because he loved them so much. And, and so often, I, I just want to give you a warning, so often we get into a pity party and we think, you know, all I need is, is I just need a, a friend who loves me more. Or some people go, I, I just need a husband who loves me more than the husband I have. Or I need a wife who uh, loves me more than my wife. Or I need a pastor who's just more loving to me. Or I need a boss at work. Or I need a roommate who's just more loving. And we get into this self-pity thing. And, and you know something? The Lord, the Lord, He will love you infinitely more than all these things. And, and the Lord just convicted of me, me of that as I read through that is, that, is that all I need is the Lord. And, and now, does the Lord ever leave us with 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 just that, if, if that's any way of saying it? No. He, he blesses us with friends, with wives and, and, and husbands and, and bosses and, that, are not, that, are, that are awesome and, and, and things like that. But, but he is sufficient. He is sufficient. And, and, and when we get into this place where we're thinking, oh, I, I just need someone to love me more, well, we already have someone in our lives, if we're born again, who can love us more than any friend or wife or husband or boss can ever love us. Jesus. And Jesus will bring you to that place, if you're willing, where, where you realize it. 
where you understand that and you can start loving him right back the way these men and these men of God and these women of God did that we read about. And I just thank God that he is doing that in our lives. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord God, that I just thank you that the the word of God is just such good news, Lord. And you're just so faithful, Lord, to just to bring us along, Lord, where we do love you where we do love you with passion, Lord. And I just pray for that man or that woman in this room, Lord, who's, who's, who's dried up, whose heart has gone cold, whose heart is shriveled up, Lord. And I pray that, God, you would take that heart. Lord, there's there's... Many here who are, are traveling, many who are usually here who are traveling today, I, I pray for them if they're in the same state. I pray, Lord, for, for, for the body of Christ in this city, in this area, Lord. Just for the cold hearts in the body of Christ, Lord. God, that you would take them and that you would breathe life into them. Life by your word, Lord God, which you say is living and active. And that will not return void, Lord. We, we put our, our trust in you that you would do that today, Lord. That you would do that this hour, Lord God. And Father, I, I just pray uh, if there's anyone in this room who before you is, is dead, because they've never asked Jesus in, in their life, who before you is like uh, Simon the leper was before he was healed, Lord God, just with sin wreaking havoc, who before you was living the life just following the devil like the, the prostitute in Luke 7, or, or who was like the, is like the Pharisee with a, just a pride ruining their life, Lord, I just pray. Lord God, that you would give them full understanding that they are lost and they need you. They need a Savior. They need to be saved. That there is judgment awaiting them, awaiting their sin. But Lord, that you paid that judgment for them and they need not have to pay it themselves if they ask you in their lives, Lord God, believing you, confessing with their mouth that you're Lord. And Father, we love you and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, anyone who would like prayer, please come up. God bless you. You are dismissed.